Ah, and we are live! Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash takesbyfans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel. We just hit 100 subs, baby. Come on, give us our respect. Uh, so head over there to Takes by Fans on YouTube to watch all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen we are on podcasting apps spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. radio so however you want to watch or listen we've got you covered multiple ways all right today is a big old saturday we're continuing on with our nfl draft prospect of the day looking at justin hilliard linebacker from ohio state so we're going to be looking at him today breaking him down should our teams be drafting this man first round second round not at all undrafted restricted free agent sign him let's see what this man can do for the practice squad then cut him right before the season then somebody else picks him up and then he gets cut again and doesn't play for like half the season and then maybe you know week 10 oh we need a linebacker let's go get Justin Hilliard because he's a (laughs) free agent um so we got that today on the show breaking down the NBA from last night doing a moneymaker for tonight's action and all the classic takes by fans things we do here on a daily basis so let's just get right into it today Alrighty, we don't talk baseball here on the show. I, I'm not a big baseball guy. Way too many games. I mean, at some point, we need to see some urgency, right? So I only really watch uh, baseball when it comes to playoff time. I mean, oh my God, those play, those one and done games to get the uh, how did I, I don't I don't know how it really goes, but there is like a one there's a one and done game at the end of the season to get into the playoffs, something like that, and that's just amazing. I mean, you play 182 games, and then it's coming down to one one game to get into the uh, playoffs. So I love when the playoffs really start here in baseball. That's really when I pick it up. Uh, win or go home, I'm all about it. But these 182 games, I'm definitely not about way too many. Um, All right. But here we go. The Dodgers got their World Series championship rings. And, man, oh, man, I love championship rings. Look at these gleaming. It's so clean cut. The blue stands out so freaking much. And it's just so nice. I mean, look at this ring, folks. Man, oh, man. So the Dodgers, L.A. Dodgers won the World Series last year. And, man, oh, man, these rings are nice. You got the Dodgers logo on the side, the name, the number, the classic, the 2020 on the side. Man, I mean, just look at this. Could you imagine rocking this? I would rock this all freaking all day, all day. I would never take this ring off. And then on the inside, the classic, you know, how you got there, uh, you know, winning all the series and all that. But, man, oh, man, I love championship rings. Congratulations to the Dodgers uh, for the World Series championship last season. I don't even know if they can repeat. I literally do not watch baseball at all besides the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, very well done for these rings. Man, oh, man. Anybody got championship rings out there? I'm trying to get I'm trying to get one. Damn. Um, so, uh, so clean. That's what I'm looking for so just clean cut there it is just the blue and white diamonds right on the face yes sir man oh man just looking real gleaming out here absolutely love them so we'll see who's going to get the 2021 uh, MLB World Series championship rings will the Dodgers repeat y'all tell me because I don't know honestly (laughs) Um, all right let's uh, move on here Uh, so yesterday uh, the lawyer for 
Deshaun Watson had a little bit of a press conference, and uh, so we get some nice quotes by him, and we get another article. So let's get right into it. What is Rusty Harden saying about Deshaun Watson now? So Rusty Harden said he absolutely plans to take all 22 lawsuits filed against Deshaun Watson to trial. Not good. So doesn't look like a settlement is happening anytime soon, and that was kind of where they left the press conference last night. Kind of going in reverse order, playing the last to the first. But, um, yeah, I mean, we that was kind of something that we were kind of, you know, talking about, you know, when we talk about Deshaun Watson cases. Was he ever going to pay out all these women, all these 22 allegations? Because we see him losing endorsements, and we know the one girl was looking for a hundred grand, and he just lost $8 million, 22 times 100000 that's $2.2 million. You could have just kind of paid it off quickly and tried to get on with your life. Now, if you pay the accusers, then you're kind of admitting to some guilt there um and then you know once you pay him once they'll always come back because they know you got that money oh my god he just gave me 100k like that i think i'm gonna go for another 100 over there and maybe two years from now oh my goodness you know i gave him a second chance i gave him a second chance after he paid me off i was like all right maybe we can have a working professional relationship again but then he nutted on me again i need 500,000 now please <laughs> so uh does not look like settlements are going to be happening for Deshaun Watson. And then we also get another quote here by Rusty Harden. Rusty Harden says Deshaun Watson, quote, is dumbfounded by all that is going on. He explains Watson was in disbelief when he was told he forced a woman, quote, I forced her? He said, Harden then said Watson started crying. I mean, yeah, I mean, I've never been in this scenario where a woman has accused me of sexually assaulting her, so thankfully I'm not in this position, but if somebody, you know, said that I, you know, forced this woman into, you know, you know, uh, some sexual performances, I would probably have to say, I forced her. No, no, I swear. I, I swear I did it. There was consent. I swear. I swear. I swear there was consent. I'm, I'm telling you, she's lying. She's lying. Uh, so I'd probably be the same way. Um, all right. We get another one here. Deshaun Watson's attorney, Rusty Harden, just admitted that there were consensual encounters with the massage therapist, but says Watson never coerced or used his position as a celebrity to violate consent. And, you know, that's going to be his defense here. These were consensual encounters. And unfortunately, when it comes to consent, I mean, how can you prove it? Oh, I said yes during the performance, but now I'm saying no now. I mean, it's definitely going to come down to he said, she said. And when you got 22 she's against the one he you know, the numbers, the odds are definitely not uh, not in favor of Deshaun Watson. But uh, he's saying these were consensual encounters. What else is Rusty Harden saying? Another quote here. I'm not about to accuse 22 women of ill motive uh, or lying of anything. All I know is we're supposed to start out believing Deshaun Watson did not do it. That presumption on social media is pretty much gone. And yes, exactly this. <clears throat> I mean, you are uh, innocent until proven guilty, and that's the great thing about the justice system in America, of how it's supposed to work anyway, that, you know, you are innocent until proven guilty. It is your burden to prove that I am guilty, and I will defend myself by however I've got to do it, but I am innocent until you prove me guilty. So we do have to still take Deshaun Watson as innocent here. Yes, we can still, you know, believe all those women as well that, you know, they truly felt sexually harassed or sexually assaulted, 
assaulted, but we still have to give the benefit of the doubt to Deshaun Watson as well. He is innocent until proven guilty. There is no verdict. They are taking these cases to trial. After the trial, then whatever verdict is rendered, that's how we have to live our lives in that reality, whether he's innocent or guilty. That is how it should go. No, you know, if he gets, you know, found innocent, you can't just be saying, you know, he's still guilty because that's not how it works here. That's not how it should work anyway. If he's guilty, that's fine. Get the punishment, whatever it is. If you have to pay all these women, you shouldn't have to do any time because these are civil lawsuits. But if he's guilty, then that's fine. But if he's innocent, that's also fine as well. So here we go, 22 women against Deshaun Watson. Let's see who's going to be found guilty, not guilty. Let's see who's going to be telling the truth once all the evidence comes out. I mean, we haven't even gone to trial yet. So, I mean, really, any evidence that's kind of floating around is just kind of leaking from whoever leaks it. I mean, everybody's got reason to leak things. But, uh, you know, let's, let's have due process. You know what I mean? Let's not jump on anything currently, please. I know, and, and you know, that's exactly, you know, right again, right here, you know, Rusty Harden saying that presumption on social media is pretty much gone because that's what social media is. I mean, you've got their fans against your other fans going at it. It's just a mess at this point. So, um, you know, never, you know, never great having, you know, the media harping on an issue because it's 24 seven. They're trying to break things every single day. They're trying to spin things every single day to get the, the, you know, the one side riled up, the other side riled up. The Deshaun Watson fans riled up and these women's fans all riled up. And we've been already seeing that on that girl's, the one of the accusers' social media pages on Instagram for her business. They're just attacking this girl. And same thing with her reviews on uh, Google, just kind of giving her bad reviews because they're in support to Deshaun Watson. So, man, oh, man, social media is definitely making this case a little muddy. And we'll see if that ever um makes a huge or maybe even a bigger impact than it already has in this case. Alrighty, more here. Uh, Rusty Harden, another quote here, says, Millennials live on Instagram. Deshaun lives on Instagram. He does business transactions on it. So that was kind of another kind of why is Deshaun Watson going on Instagram for these massage therapists when he's a rich athlete and can literally get actual real, like, I don't want to say real professionals because, you know, you can make a business on Instagram. So let's uh, kind of reword that, you know, these kind of more expensive because I, I don't know if you know Instagram you know massage therapists are asking you know 150,000 for a session I don't know what the massage market is right now but you know you know, not going on Instagram, maybe going with a more uh, long-term that's been here business, massage therapy business than one that's on Instagram, maybe just kind of managed by one person. Um, so, you know, yes, I mean, we are moving toward a more digital age. Obviously, we were in a pandemic. A lot of things were closed down. So, yes, you had to kind of resort to social media. And that's what Deshaun, I mean, Deshaun Watson sees young. What is he, like 26, 27? Yeah, let's see how, because if he's going on Instagram, I mean, it just makes perfect, perfect sense. Let's see how old this man is. I'm going to say like 28. Damn, he's 25. Oh my, oh, we're the same age. Oh, we were born in the same month, September. 
Hey, my man, he's innocent, y'all. Deshaun Watson is innocent. Come on. This young 25-year-old is not doing nothing suspicious out here. Come on. Um, oh, yeah, so he's only 25. Of course he's going to be doing business on Instagram. Of course. That's what he grew up on. So I don't think that's any real clear-cut evidence right there of, oh, Deshaun Watson, he's going on Instagram. Of course he's doing some shady things. No, that's what we do now. Get with the times. Get with the program. Damn. Y'all going to do an actual, like, solid concrete business? We got freaking house orders for massage therapy every every day. And that's exactly what Deshaun Watson does because we are going to see it in a second. Here it is. This one right here. Rusty Harded on Deshaun Watson having so many masseuses. Quote, this guy has been getting two to three massages a week. The math on that is anywhere from 120 to 150 massages a year. I mean, oh my God, what a life. I mean, I don't even know the last time I got a massage. This man's getting 150 every single year. Two to three every single week. All right. Tiffany, Lakeisha, uh, uh, Tanya. Uh, what's that? Is that DMX? No. There was Leticia and Tanya, where he just keeps naming all the names of the women. Um, that's what I was going for. Um, I don't know who sings that. I don't think that's DMX. R.I.P. DMX, obviously. Um, it's um, Ja Rule. Ja Rule, that's who it is. All right. <clears throat> but let's get back on track here. Uh, the math on that is anywhere from 120 to 150 massages a year. In the year 2020, spas shut down the massage world during the pandemic has changed. The massage, the biggest thing to take away from the COVID-19 lockdowns is the massage world during the pandemic has changed. We all need to acknowledge and realize this. People are going on Instagram for their massage therapy now in 2021 because of the pandemic. Please. That's, that's what Deshaun Watson and Rusty Harvin are kind of advocating for out here. Um, so he says that's why he used IG a lot, and it just makes sense, folks. So we can't really use that as an argument of why Deshaun Watson must be guilty. This man's getting massages every day, had to resort to uh, Instagram because he couldn't really go anywhere because it was all locked and shut down all year. Alrighty, let's see what else we get here just to kind of wrap up the press conference from yesterday. Let's see if ESPN is pulling any other good quotes from uh, what the press conference was yesterday. Alrighty, so here we go. <clears throat> Deshaun Watson's lawyer, Rusty Harden, acknowledged during a Friday news conference that there were some, quote, consensual encounters between the Houston Texans quarterback and some of the 22 women who have filed lawsuits against him. But he said at no point did Deshaun engage in any acts that were not, quote, mutually desired, quote, were there, were there sometimes consensual encounters? Yes, Harden said. And the way that he says this, it makes him kind of sound guilty right here. Were there sometimes consensual encounters? Yes. Yes. So there were also non-consensual encounters. You should have just said all these encounters were 100% consensual, but he's, he phrases it not great here. Were there sometimes consensual encounters setting up a question? Yes. Uh, so what were the other ones not consensual? So that was definitely not a great quote by this man yesterday, really kind of, you know, damaging his client a little bit right there. When asked to clarify his comments about Watson taking part in sex acts with some of the women who have filed lawsuits against him alleging inappropriate behavior and sexual assault, Harden said, quote, in some of the massages, there's going to be no question. We've never run from it. So, I mean, he knows that, yes, Deshaun Watson has, you know, kind of been with some sexual encounters with these massages, you know, ending in some happy endings, ending on him nutting on some people accidentally. 
apparently it ha- I, I don't know. Does it happen? I don't know. I've never had a massage like that. Uh, maybe I should. I mean, if Deshaun Watson, if it's good enough for Deshaun Watson, it should be good enough for everybody else out here. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah. So there were sometimes sexual encounters with these massage therapies. That's kind of what he's going for with that quote of where there's sometimes consensual consensual encounters. Yes, yeah, because he was getting some, you know, hand jobs at the end of the massage sometimes. Um, and you know, he's never denying that he says that publicly. Yes, we, uh, I, I get jerked off sometimes guys get, all right, sue me sometimes, you know, when it happens, it happens. So what else do we get here? Anything? Um, Watson has publicly denied any wrongdoing. Harden has emphasized since he began representing the quarterback last month that he believes quote, any allegation that Deshaun Watson forced a woman to commit sexual act is completely false. We'll just read, read this read this last quote here, and then we'll be done with it for today. But, quote, I'm not going to go into what it is or the nature or the number or with whom Harden said regarding any consensual encounters between Watson and some of the plaintiffs, quote, but I think you can rightfully assume that the question always that the question always that we have always been emphasizing never at any time under any circumstances did this young man ever engage in anything that was not mutually desired by the other party so that's still his defense he's not paying off these women he's going to go to trial he's going to fight this and he's going to still maintain his uh, innocence throughout this entire thing so um, I don't expect any resolution of this kind of case in a very short time I think this is going to get to drawn out and we'll see if you know slowly by surely these women stop or kind of uh yeah stop their um stop their lawsuits against this man and we'll see if the numbers start dwindling or if they just keep rising like they've been like we said we they are up to 22 women uh saying he had sexual misconduct with these women so we'll see what happens but uh definitely um still still real real muddy real muddy really can't get a firm like truly innocent or truly guilty i think i'm st- i'm the thing i think i'm kind of at 55 percent innocent at the current moment i would say so We'll see how it all ends out, but definitely interesting and uh, definitely entertaining, I would say. I mean, all these good old quotes from these women, you know, saying they got nut on. Obviously, you know, not funny because it happened to real people, but still at the end of the day, you know, it's just funny having that in quotes on kind of legal record. Um, uh, You know, when they asked, you know, the court stenographer to read it back, um, (laughs) plaintiff, he nutted on me, Uh, defendant, no, I did not nut on her. A lawyer, did you nut on her right arm? No, I did not nut on her right arm. Like, that's funny. That's funny. (laughs) All right. So that's where we're at with uh, Deshaun Watson at the current moment. All right, but let's get in some good quarterback news. Yes, sir. Danny Dimes out here. Daniel Jones assembles the Giants offense for team workouts. He got Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shefford, Evan Ingram, John Ross, Austin Mack, Nick Gates, and Will Hernandez and others flew to Arizona to work out with Daniel Jones. I mean, look at this stacked roster for this man. Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram at the tight end position, John Ross, who he knows a speedy wide receiver, so he's got all the weapons. He's got the great running game. He's got the great catching tight end. He's got the fast, um, speedy wide receivers. He's got the sure hands wide receivers, so he's really got everything. There is no reason for Daniel Jones to have not a great season this season. Let's get his official stats up of what he's done so far in his career. 
uh, because we have to kind of set a little bit of a, a of a bar going into the season. With Daniel Jones, I mean, he's really been flying under the radar a lot and kind of, you know, his third season going in. Uh, nobody really bashes Daniel Jones, which I do like a lot, but at some point we are going to have to kind of cut the strings a little bit and, you know, say, all right, this man can or cannot play. I think he can play. I don't think, you know, there's any question about it. Just kind of the poor kind of roster and, you know, him going with the Giants, not really a great organization in total. They really kind of beefed that Eli Manning thing at the end there. Um, so let's see what he did these, this last season, 62% completion percentage, 2,900 yards, 11 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. So definitely got to get better. He's winning more games, which is always great. Three and nine, his first season, five and nine, his second season. So we have to see at least like an eight and nine season this season. Unfortunately, you can't get the benefit of the doubt of an eight and eight season anymore. Just truly unfortunate for Daniel Jones as the season, uh, the NFL season has been expanded by one game. But, yeah, I mean, with this kind of loaded offense roster with Jason Garrett at the helm, I'm belie- I'm a, I am a believer in Jason Garrett at the offensive coordinator position, folks. I am a big believer in that. Um, so, with all of that, we are going to have to kind of set a little bit of a bar here of how Daniel Jones needs to play this season. And we'll probably go a little, uh, like, a lot deeper into this when, once we get a little bit more closer to the start of the NFL season, once the NBA season is done and we have a lot more time in the show uh, where we kind of go deeper deep and dive into a lot more topics here and get us all ready and prepared for the 2021 season. But, um, I mean, we got to see him at least get to like 64% completion percentage. And that's not a big old jump, especially with the, the weapons that he has right now. And just kind of the inflatedness of completion percentage from last season. Definitely got to get that up. Got to see him in like 3,400 yards. Got to see him in at least, at least 15 passing touchdowns and under 10 interceptions. I do not want to see double-digit interceptions by Daniel Jones next season. But, uh, you know, he's got all the he, he's got all the tangibles to work with he's a great kind of a potential dual threat as well we'll see if they kind of inquire incorporate some of that into the offense of this year for Daniel Jones because we saw a little bit of it last season him running the ball a lot what what were his official rushing numbers from last season what do we got 423 yards 65 rushes and he scored a touchdown on one of the rushes so fantastic there we know that he's got some decent legs Jason Garrett really kind of brought that out last year in the offense so we'll see if they keep that up but he's got all these pieces around him to have a great season we need him to start to step it up a little bit more got to see some success finally going into your third season and I definitely think he can rise up to the occasion and do so so definitely going to be watching this man uh, heavy this season under a microscopic lens, if you will, and we'll be having updates throughout the entire season. But I'm definitely all on the Danny Dimes train, folks. Alrighty, let's uh, move on to, what do we got? Uh, Cam Akers, we get a nice little highlight package from him because he actually had a really good season. Let's get his um, full steps up here from his rookie season with the Rams. Alrighty, here we go. Last year, 625 yards, two touchdowns. Not bad for kind of, you know, the second back here for the Rams. So let's see how this man was working last season. <clears throat> and let's get jazzed about him because, hey, it's it's Super Bowl or bust for this Rams team. The defense has always been there. They just got Matt Stafford, who, according to Sean McVay, is an upgrade over Jared Goff, and we'll see. But Cam Akers is definitely going to have to step up his game a little bit more to help out the passing game. So let's see what he was doing last year with the Rams. 
First game up here is against Washington, just right up the middle. This Washington defense early on in the season really was, you know, not very good. We see this is week uh, five that this game was going on, and a nice big old run in Washington getting blown out 30-10 to 10 in this game. Uh, you know, we know Washington, you know, had, you know, a little bit of a hiccups in the first kind of half of the season, really cleaned it up in the back half because Ron Rivera, first-year coaching, needed some time under him to get it all acclimated, and they really had a really great end of the half. So I'm expecting a lot of big things from Washington this season uh, but let's get back to Cam Akers here against the 49ers down four run up the middle look at him bounce it outside and yes sir look at that speed I love it getting hawked down is that who is that's not Richard Sherman but gosh darn he got hawked down by somebody but this is some real great speed by this man love it Sherman kept him uh, from running out, but number 23, hawking that man down. Woof! Like DK Metcalf out there hawking people down. Alrighty, against the Patriots right here. Able to kind of squeak it out outside. Can he beat number 32 here? Just, just, just unable to beat that last line of defense there. But he's got real great speed. No game-breaking speed where, you know, if he's got, you know, a step and a half on everybody, it's off to the races. We've seen him able to get kind of hawked on a little bit from uh, behind. But still some real great speed to, you know, exploit, you know, 25, 30, 35, even 40-yard runs if needed to. Catching the ball out of the backfield here staying on his feet going all the way down in a nice big chunk gain there from this man love it all right in the red zone against the Bucks defense catching the ball out of the backfield e oh that's just too easy right there can make her sure hands yes sir Nobody, nobody respecting his talent out here. I mean, we're 10 weeks into the season here against the Bucs, and nobody's respecting Cam Akers out of the backfield? Y'all better clean that up going into 2022 or 2021 because he's going to be doing this all season with Matt Stafford uh, this year. So got to be covering this man out of the backfield, absolutely. All right, once again in the red zone against the Cardinals. What can this man do this time? He's going to run it, and he stays on his feet. Can't be brought down. Yes, sir. Who is that trying to tackle him? Y'all got to learn. This man does not get brought down easily right here. Ten yards right up the middle. He dragged the defender for the last four yards into the end zone. Yes, sir. Get big touchdown tie game against the Cardinals. Love it. Fantastic work. All right, this time against the Patriots. Right up the middle, solid, 15 yards we'll give him, 13, 15 yards, right up the middle. All right, once again in the goal line, y'all better cover this man, y'all better double team this man, and he kind of goes right in, untouched, come on Seattle, y'all not watching film on this man, come on, this was in the playoffs, this was in the playoffs, you're letting this man destroy you in the playoffs, y'all had the entire season to kind of figure out what this man can do, and you're getting still burned by him in the playoffs, yes sir, can makers can get it done. All right, here we go. Once again, in the playoffs, in a wildcat formation, right up the middle. Can he finish? That's a touchdown as well. Yes, sir. Packers, he's even kind of beating the Packers in a wildcat formation. Still can't bring him down. So, fantastic work by Cam Makers all season. And we'll see. I mean, according to Sean McVay, the only reason why the Rams were not good this season was because of Jared Goff. So, we see Cam Makers getting the nice touch there in the divisional round again. Against the Packers, unfortunately, Jared Goff couldn't step it up. So, very well done to Cam Akers. Let's see what Cam Akers did this uh, 
uh, in that game in the in the postseason against the Packers. Let's see what he did here. Um, against the Packers, 90 yards and oh my God! Against the Seahawks in that first playoff game, 131 yards rushing, one touchdown. Holy moly! And then he had 45 uh, receiving yards on top of that. And then against Green Bay, 18 carries for 90 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he's averaging like five yards a carry there in the playoff games. Absolutely magnificent. This man can play, and I'm definitely excited to watch this man year two for this Rams team. So very well done to Cam Akers. Alrighty, yesterday Warriors Wizards game went down to the wire. Bradley Beal makes it a three-point game. Steph Curry catches the ball, tries to shoot it off the inbound from three, and unfortunately does not fall. And the Warriors end up losing. I mean, Steph Curry, you were getting on your team, you know, these last you know two weeks about how your team is just not stepping up and not getting it done. And I hope these losses sting because you know we are supposed to be winning out here. But then I, I you know, I. I know it's a tough shot out here by three, but you can't make the three. I mean, now this is, you know, on you for the loss. No, but, you know, we don't get, we don't see no teammates yelling at Steph Curry. So let me yell at Steph Curry right now. Curry, you can't make the last game winning three. Come on, that's your shot. You're the only one that can consistently make that shot. I hope this loss stings. It's against the Wizards, you garbage team. The Warriors are a garbage team, folks. They are trash. Steph Curry cannot lead a team. Um, he can't get it done he can't be reliable he can't just be like hang on y'all he can't do le what LeBron James does every single season which is just get on my back and I'll take you to the promised land because Steph Curry's missing game tying shots at the end of the game come on Curry get it done come on against the Wizards you couldn't beat the Wizards come on that's absolutely trash and we just said this yesterday when we were talking about betting the game, it was Wizards plus four, Warriors minus four, and we told y'all to stay away from the game because the only reason why the Warriors ever win a game is because they have a fire lit under them because they've been trashed for so long. Somebody finally uh, like talks about it. Steph Curry goes down to the media and yells at his teammates, and then they play good the next game, but they nobody was talking before this game. That's why they lose. So just absolutely um, not a good loss at all for this Warriors team. Absolutely disgusting that they lost. And Steph Curry comes up a little short at the buzzer. Come on, Steph. Gotta be better than that. Come on. Come on. <coughs> all right. <clears throat> Let's keep it going here. All right, we get a uh, quote here by Gary Trent Jr., little clip, you know, saying for the first time in my career in the last three years, I felt like I'm wanted. And I think that uh, that kind of came out of nowhere and kind of hit me a little bit because he's been with the Blazers and, you know, he was doing real good with the Blazers this season. Just unfortunately, they have, you know, they got CJ McCollum back, so they didn't really need him in the starting rotation anymore. So they trade him to the Raptors for Norman Powell. And I really think the trade has worked out really well for both these teams out here. But uh, Gary Trent Jr. feeling like he's wanted here in Toronto. They say, hey, we want to kind of, you know, we want you to help us win. We want you to be kind of a main focal point here. We want you to kind of be the guy here with all the other guys that we have here. So Nick Nurse kind of slowly getting into this nice rebuild here with the Raptors that hopefully isn't going to take too long. Hopefully just kind of a lull season this year, but they can go right back to kind of being decent playoff contenders next year. So we'll see if Nick Nurse truly has Gary Trent Jr. and some big plans. But I mean, he's 
he's got some nice foundation there. The Raptors are just really kind of missing a solid bench in that true kind of number one superstar that you can rely on. Kyle Lowry being kind of, you know, out for a lot of this season is definitely hurting them because, you know, so far he is their kind of one superstar that they have on that team. But, you know, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananubi, I mean, these men, these players can get it done. And then you add Gary Trent Jr. into that mix. Now we're talking about a decently solid lineup here. They just need to get a little bit deeper and that they have that one big old superstar that could really turn it around. So love that Gary Trent Jr. is feeling wanted uh, with the Raptors. Because the man could definitely play out here. And uh, so definitely rooting for this man to have success. We've already seen him hit a buzzer beater for the Raptors solely winning the game for them. So definitely all about him. And uh, we'll see if he's able to kind of help to turn around this Raptors team come next season. Or maybe if they can even get into the playoffs now. Where are they currently in the playoff standings? Currently number 11 in the East. Two game. Oh, no. Two and a half. Two and a half. Three games back from number 10th seed for that playing tournament. So we'll see if they are able able to get into that playing tournament and if they're able to, if they're able to do anything um, when they get in that tournament but um, you know they got some nice shooters out here uh, still all role players but they still need that one other superstar or just to get a lot of players on that bench because the bench isn't the greatest there over in Toronto but Gary Chen Jr. feeling wanted with the Raptors alrighty we were kind of bamboozled on this one we saw a quote of one um, who was it um I think it was Bam Adebayo in the locker room kind of saying that, you know, Victor Oladipo looked good. He was fine. But uh, the Heat announced that Victor Oladipo will not be with the team on its West Coast road trip and then will be further evaluated. So let's... Um Let's take a look really quickly of what this Heat team, how many games they are going to be kind of losing Victor Oladipo for when they are on this road trip. So they've got the Blazers up, the Suns up, the Nuggets up, the Timberwolves up. So that's one, two, three, four games at least all the way up into the 18th without Victor Oladipo so definitely going to be a little interesting here how bad is his injury because we've seen Victor Oladipo do decent with this Heat team they really haven't truly figured out how to really incorporate him because whenever he's on the floor I feel like they haven't gotten better where you know when I watch the Bulls play I'm like oh with that Vucevic edition they've gotten better when I see Aaron Gordon with the Nuggets I'm like oh they've clearly gotten better but when I watch Victor Oladipo with this Heat team I'm like I don't know if him on this team really makes them better. I don't think, you know, having a kind of true kind of, you know, ball in his hand point guard is what that Heat team was really missing. So uh, I don't really know how it's going to work out with Victor Oladipo in the long term on this team, but they definitely need him as soon as possible on this team for as many games as possible to get ready for a nice kind of deep playoff run because they have the players to do so. They are very talented shooting the ball wise and they're in the East, you know, a little bit of a lighter kind competition right there if the season ended right now they're facing the Hornets first or no the Bucks first round and that's going to be a little bit of tough but they can still win that win that game I mean they can really challenge anybody here in the east maybe not the Nets because you know they've got a lot of star firepower but the Heat do have the firepower as well Jimmy Butler Victor Oladipo Bam Adebayo Goran Dragic Tyler Hero Duncan Robinson Kendrick um uh, Kendrick Nunn I mean they still got the nice pieces to kind of compete with some of these you know superstar high high-powered offensive, high-powered shooting teams like the Nets, uh, but they got to figure it out with Victor Oladipo. It just does not look that great to me when he's on the floor. 
So definitely him being injured is definitely going to hurt him. Um, you know, that was kind of the big knock on Victor Oladipo when he was with the Rockets this season. Is like he was never even playing in that Rockets team. They were actually decent. If Victor Oladipo was playing every single game with that Rockets, they'd be a lot better than what they were right now. But him being in and out of the lineup, John Wall being in and out of the lineup, Christian Wood getting, getting injured really kind of just set the entire thing into motion to really just scrap and move on. But uh, Got to see Victor Oladipo start to kind of get it done with this Heat team, but they're going to be missing him for the next four games when they're on the road trip. Oh, yeah, and I love this quote. Yes, sir. Let's move on to this one. Kevin Durant quote right here about uh, my man Joe Harris. So here we go. Quote from Kevin Durant. Quote, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are the best shooters I've played with. Joe Harris is definitely right up there getting there. I love it. I mean, we've been talking about Joe Harris this entire season, just getting it done. No Kevin Durant for basically this entire year for the Nets, and Joe Harris was still getting it done, making up kind of the points that Kevin Durant would bring into this team. And not only was Joe Harris getting it done, he was efficient as all heck out there this year, man. I mean, I'm talking three of five from three, four of five from three, four of six from three, five of seven, five of six. I mean, this man was getting it done consistently on a nightly basis. I don't want to have, you know what? I'm, I mean, you know, we got a nice little Saturday show here. We've got time. We've got no time restraints. Let's look up this man's stats here because it, it is truly great what this man's doing this season. And how consistent he's been, um, you know, kind of with, uh, you know, Kyrie and James Harden, you know, in and out of the lineup, you know, who's really going to be the main person tonight. And Joe Harris, even when James Harden and Kevin Durant or, or James Harden and Kyrie Irving were both on the floor of the season, this man was still able to go and get his 20 points, his 15, his 20 plus points every single game. Even when James Harden was going for 36, even with Kevin or Kyrie Irving, geez, even with Kyrie Irving going for 35 plus four. 40-some games. James Harden also going for 25, 30-plus while Kyrie was doing his thing. He was still getting it done. I just freaking love it. So let's look at his splits real quick from this season. <clears throat> Um, how many times he only came off the bench four times so he's been in the starting lineup absolutely basically for the entire season 14 points he's only averaging 14 points is that right that's a little low but what's his overall three pointers what is he making a game three points um this is in the entire thing let's go back to his uh overview here what is he putting up on a game basis He's shooting 50%, 51% from the field this season, his best all season. I mean, when you're playing with the playmakers of Kyrie Irving and James Harden, I'm glad that this man's getting better. I mean, that just shows you that he is a true great talent. When he's got great other pieces around him, better kind of, you know, facilitators of the floor, better ball passers, and this man just steps it up. And he's also shooting 48% from three this season, 48%. He's taking six threes a game, folks. He's taking six threes a game, the most he's ever taken his entire career. He's hitting the best he's ever hit his entire career. And he's playing with some of the best names there are in basketball. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden. But he's still able to get production. That's what we're talking about with Joe Harris. So I'm definitely glad that Kevin Durant is truly recognizing what Joe Harris can do. And uh, I absolutely love it. I love this Nets team. They are truly deep and they've got shooters everywhere. Him and Bruce Brown can all get it done. 
on. And now we'll see if Joe Harris stays in the starting lineup when Kevin Durant gets back um, or if he kind of goes down to the bench once everybody, the big three, are all playing James Harden, Kevin Durant, and uh, Kyrie Irving or if they're going to use kind of Joe Harris to come off the bench and get that great scoring production. But uh, either way, he's getting it done and I hope it continues because this man truly deserves all the recognition that he's getting or you know maybe will get in the future because we've been talking about this man a lot. I'm glad that Kevin Durant is out here publicly speaking on this man. Uh, truly deserved. Alrighty, another story right here. Zach Levine getting a little bit better with Vucevic. Uh, quote here by, uh, or a tweet here by Bleacher Report. Zach Levine drawing up planes with Vooch. 100 emoji. Teammates building chemistry. Truly, and I mean, unfortunately, they lost last night. They floundered in the back half. We all saw on social media last night, Zach Levine going for like 38 points in the first half and then losing the game. So not great there, but either way, getting better, finding out how to kind of work together and both get great production when they're both on the floor at the same time. So absolutely love this. Still big on the Bulls, even though they lost against the Hawks last night. I mean, in our power rankings that were just updated last night, yesterday, right before all the NBA uh, games tipped off, we had the Bulls at 10 and the Hawks at 9. And the Hawks win kind of close. I think it was close, yeah. Um, I want to say like 5 or 6. Oh, no, 12. A little bit of a blowout there, but really just kind of floundered in the fourth quarter there for this Bulls team. But still, I mean, we still like the Hawks team a little bit better than the Bulls. The Bulls are just starting to kind of get it figured out a little bit. Took a little bit of a step back losing last night, but we'll see if they can kind of get forward, push forward off that loss. But still love what I'm seeing here from this Bulls team. Vucevic, Zach Levine, Thaddeus Young, and then if Kobe White can just be consistent off the bench off the bench this is going to be an absolutely great team so love everything about this Bulls team love to see them in the play-in tournament and I want to see what they can do if they get in that tournament but once they get more you know games under their belt I mean I think they're at six or seven games with Vucevic after you know the trade deadline but you know once they get everything worked out once that kind of bench player really starts to really start to step it up a little bit more we know Thaddeus Young was coming off the bench and having great success but now he's in the starting lineup so maybe work Thaddeus Young back into the bench but let's see what then you'd have to do something with Kobe White and so they got to get it figured out but if they can get that great rotation if they can get that solid rotation from the starting bench and that nice kind of rotation coming off the bench that's what we're talking about and they can really get it done but I think they do need to figure out the starting lineup a little bit better than what it has been so far but we'll see what the Bulls decide to do with that and then what do we got for the last story what's this one up Ooh, a little bit of a big one out here. Patrick Beverly underwent surgery on his left hand and will be out for three to four weeks. All righty. So, you know, this was kind of their main starting point guard for the Clippers this entire season. So he's going to be out for three to four weeks. We know that they just picked up Rondo. Uh, we'll see if he makes kind of the starting roster I, or the starting lineup. I don't think so. I don't think so. I still think they're going to go with um, Reggie Jackson as the starting point guard and have Rondo come off the bench. Uh, Rondo didn't play yesterday. Neither did Patrick Beverly. It was all just Reggie Jackson, and he had a really great game. Uh, but we'll see what the Clippers really decide to do, especially once we're getting closer to you know the playoffs when teams. Teams really need to start stepping it up and being a lot more consistent than what they've been. 
We'll see if they make the switch over to Rondo. But uh, Patrick Beverly going to be out for three to four weeks. I mean, this Clippers team, I mean, they've been injured at the point guard, at the big position, really nothing concrete there all season. So uh, they definitely need to kind of shore it up, you know, maybe the last, you know, two weeks right before the playoffs uh, start to really get everything solidified so they don't have a big old meltdown like they did last year in the bubble. So hopefully Patrick Beverly can get back here right before the playoffs start. Hopefully the Clippers are fully healthy right before the playoffs start so they can get that chemistry that's desperately needed when you make a long playoff run but they just picked up Rondo so hopefully he can kind of pick up this, some of the slack now that they're going to be one less point guard there for the Clippers with Patrick Beverly being out Alrighty, those are all the stories that we needed to go over for today. Let's head over to the NBA. We'll talk about what happened yesterday in the NBA. We'll break. Or we'll do our moneymaker for tonight's action of what's going on around the league. And then we'll head over to our NFL draft prospect of the day, looking at Justin Hillard, or Hilliard, a linebacker from Ohio State. So <clears throat> let's start here with the Pacers and the Magic. Our first time betting the Pacers last night in our moneymaker took them minus four and a half and they win by five. That's what we're talking about. Pacers getting it done. So very well done to the Pacers. Sabonis ended up did playing. He did play last night. They moved him to the five where we've seen him playing the four for the entire season. So they move him over to the five and they had success. So we'll see if they keep that up. Kind of like, you know, Pascal Siakam going to the five for the Raptors. And they did actually pretty good for that stint of when he was just at the five. Uh, So we'll see if that kind of carries over here. Obviously, we know that, you know, no Miles Turner, so probably not. Uh, Miles Turner is not going to be out that long, I don't think. Um, all right, so here we go. Pacers. Let's start here with Malcolm Brogdon at the starting point guard position. 11 points, 4 assists. Karis LeVert, 11 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists. I mean, he hasn't really been shooting consistently great out here. 33%, 0 of 2 from 3 for LeVert. Sabonis at the 5, 16 points, 6 assists, and 15 rebounds. Yes, sir. Edmund Sumner taking over for Sabonis' spot there at the 4, 12 points. Only one assist, no rebounds. And then Justin Holiday to round out the starters. Only three points and three rebounds on only three shots. So, all right. Decent um, all-around scoring there by the starters. But look at this bench. Yes, sir. Doug McDermott, uh, 19 points off the bench. Six rebounds on 61% shooting. And Aaron Holiday also off the bench. 20 points, three assists, two rebounds on 50% shooting. And six of 10 from three. Jeez Louise. So, the bench really got it done for this Pacers team. And they're able to kind of uh, win without my... Miles Turner, so a good side there. It was only against the Magic, but hey, a win is a win, and we'll give it to him. All right, let's go to the Magic now. For that kind of first week after the trade deadline, this Magic team was going crazy if everybody's stepping up, but now we're starting to see, yeah, this Magic team really is not that good. These kind of next man up mentalities can only go so far, and they've been crashing and burning ever since. So here we go. The starting lineup, Michael Carter-Williams at the 1, 9 points, 3 assists, 2 rebounds. Dwayne Bacon still at the 2, 7 points, 4 rebounds. Wendell Carter Jr. at the 5, 8 points, 9 rebounds. Chuma Okiki, 8 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds. Rebounds and then James Ennis the third 14 points four assists five rebounds I mean that's just lackluster scoring from the starters I mean only one starter in double digit figures for the points column I mean not good at all um, all right now let's go to the bench some decent performances here we get Terrence Ross 24 points four rebounds obviously he's probably their best player that they have on the team. 
And then Mo Bamba getting some nice uh, action out here. 22 minutes off the bench, 14 points and 6 rebounds. So the bench kind of got it done. We'll kind of start to see what this what this kind of starting rotation can be because they do have some nice pieces here. Maybe elevate Terrence Ross to the starting lineup. Mo Bamba potentially maybe keep him off the bench. But uh, they do still have some nice pieces here. They just need to start to kind of get it figured out all together this is still a decent team I mean if they get the rotations right this team could be decent not great be decent but uh we know they basically traded all their pieces away at the trade deadline so we don't expect them to be good anyway but uh Pacers get the win very well done 111 106 Alrighty, now let's go to the Celtics and the Timberwolves. And man, oh man, oh man, we had the Timberwolves plus nine. They kept it close all game long to the fourth quarter. They kind of uh, floundered a little bit. They were able to get it done at the end of the fourth quarter to tie the game and bring it into overtime. Uh, but then they go and lose by nine in overtime. So a little bit of a wash there by this Timberwolves team. Uh, so let's start here with the Celtics since they won the game. And we got to start with Jason Mother Loving Tatum. This is what we're talking about. And this is the only reason why they were competitive in this game because we know their bench is absolutely trash because they don't have Evan Fournier. So it really just comes down to Jason Tatum and um, Jalen Brown to really kind of carry this team when they don't have that depth in, off the bench because of you know injuries or COVID-19 or whatever it is. But Jason Tatum last night, 53 points, 4 assists, 10 rebounds on 64% shooting, 6 of 10 from 3. Just a magnificent night by this man getting it done and was really kind of the main reason why they won him putting the team on his back so I definitely respect the hell out of Jason Tatum for this performance get it done young fella absolutely trans transhuman and what he did last night was transhuman folks truly great um all right Jalen Brown uh, 26 points to go along with that. Truly well done as well. I mean, I wasn't joking the other night when I said that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum would have to kind of go for like combined for 80 points if they wanted a chance to win without Evan Fournier. And the same, the same applies. Whenever Evan Fournier is not playing anymore, their depth at the bench is absolutely garbage. So they do need to combine for 80 and they just combined for 79 last night. That is not a mistake, folks. I'm telling you, they need to combine for 80 if they want a chance to win when they're not that deep off the bench. And there they are combining for 79. All right, Robert Williams, uh, six points, seven rebounds, nothing you know major, just getting it done. I mean, with Jason Tatum, you just kind of say, all right, I'm getting out of your way, and that's kind of what they all did. Marcus Smart was still able to get some nice points out here, 24 points, eight assists, six rebounds. He shot four of eight from three. And then Kemba Walker, what are you doing out here, man? Uh, 17 points, nine assists, seven rebounds. The nine, rebound, or the nine assists and seven rebounds, I can definitely get behind, but these 17 points on 10-3, still three of 10 from three when Jason Tatum is going out of his mind, monster all game and you're still chucking up bad threes man oh man Kemba Walker I know you all have no depth off the bench so points do need to come for basically all the starters but man oh man calm it down on the threes it just does not work out well for you yes you're shooting about 30% every game but you're taking 10 it's a little bit too much out here let's tone it down a little bit let's rein it in um so <clears throat> The Boston Celtics starters all get it done. I mean, nothing truly great here off the bench. Tristan Thompson played 27 minutes, 7.7 .7 rebounds. Um, Grant Williams played 23 minutes, no points. Uh, he only took one shot and missed it. But no great scoring here off the bench is truly the takeaway here from the Celtics. <clears throat> and luckily for the Celtics, Jason Tatum was on his game last night. 
Alrighty, let's talk about the Timberwolves now. I'm still big on this Timberwolves team, even though they went into overtime with the Celtics. Even though they didn't win our bet, we are still big on this Timberwolves team. We will still be betting them and rooting for them because now they've got their big three healthy. Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and they all had great games last night. Uh, D'Angelo Russell is still off the bench. Ricky Rubio is still in the starting lineup, but uh, you know D'Angelo Russell played more minutes than Ricky Rubio, so expect that switch to kind of happen any game now. I'm truly expecting D'Angelo Russell to be in the starting lineup next game. Uh, but Ricky Rubio at the one, 4.7 rebounds, 4 steals, 4 points, 7 assists, 4 rebounds, 4 steals for Ricky Rubio last night. <clears throat> Anthony Edwards, 24 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds, 2 of 6 from 3, and 58% overall from the field, so love that. Carl Anthony Towns, 30 points, 7 assists, 12 rebounds, 4 of 9 from 3, and 45% overall for him. Jaden McDaniels, 11 points, 3 rebounds, and Josh, or Josh Okuji, 16 points, 3 rebounds, and 4 steals. So overall, I mean, when you go into overtime, I mean, you're, you're going to expect a lot of point totals here, especially when you're putting up 136 points. So very well done scoring by the starters there. And then off the bench, yes, sir, D'Angelo Russell, 26 points, 8 assists, 4 rebounds on 3 of 9 from 3, and 55% overall. So that's what we're talking about, man. Get D'Angelo Russell in that starting rotation with Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. And then you have Ricky Rubio to kind of facilitate the floor for the uh, the for the bench. And that could really be great as well because we know Ricky Rubio can get it done passing. That's what the man does. He's a really kind of floor facilitator out there. All right, so we're still big on this Timberwolves team. And let's also shout out uh, Juancho Hernana Gomez out here putting up 10 points and four rebounds on 37% shooting, two of six from three. So not terrible overall here for the Timberwolves. We're able to kind of be competitive against the Celtics team. And that's all we're asking for, this Timberwolves team to start being more competitive. We know it's already too late for them to kind of get into a playoff spot. But, uh, you know, now that they're all finally healthy, let's start building for next season. Let's not have a big old step back next season. Let's not kind of, you know, have no identity going in the next season and let's get it all squared away right now make some adjustments in the offseason maybe bring in a piece or two here to really shore us up but let's go into 2021 being you know a solid team out here that can compete that can you know challenge for the top 10 seeds for the playing tournament next season and not you know number 15 in the east so Celtics get the overtime win 145 136 Alrighty, next game up is the Knicks and the Grizzlies, and truly unfortunate here by the Grizzlies, man, losing against the Knicks and kind of floundering in the fourth quarter to not be able to get it done. Truly, truly, truly unfortunate here by the Grizzlies. I mean, just kind of got outshot in the fourth quarter. I mean, they only put up uh, or no, no, no. Yeah, they got outshot in the fourth quarter, 24-31, to 31, so really just kind of blew it there down late in this game. Truly unfortunate. And then let's look at the last kind of 13 seconds of this game where Grizzlies Grizzlies are up two points, 114-112 over the Knicks. We're going to get, you know, R.J. Barrett here going against John Morant. Absolutely kind of bullied him a little bit and finished the layup to tie the game. So a wonderful game by R.J. Barrett to tie the game right up there. Fantastic work by this man. But then John Morant with five seconds left, tie game, taking the last shot, gets to the bucket. But unfortunately, it just kind of swirls out a little bit. And Valanciunas there with the potential putback. Not sure if that would have been uh, counted if he was able to kind of get it down. Because I think the buzzer potentially... Yeah, I think the buzzer still buzzed when the ball was in Valanciunas' hand. But it didn't go down either way, so it doesn't matter. But man, oh man, John Moran had a chance to win the game. Cover the Grizzlies minus one and a half. I mean, we were talking about that spread last night saying it was great value. But uh, Vegas got the better of us on that one. 
So truly unfortunate there that John Morant couldn't get it done in regulation with that last shot attempt. And uh, so they lose in overtime. So very well done to this Knicks team. So let's start here with them. Who got it done? All righty, here we go. Starting lineup, Alfred Payton, 12 points, no assists, no rebounds. He only played 15 minutes, though. RJ Barrett, 20 points, the game tying shot in regulation. Very well done. 20 points, two assists, five rebounds, two of four from three, 53% overall from the field. Nerlens Noel still at the five, six points, five rebounds. Julius Randle, 15 points, 11 assists, 10 rebounds, triple, double for the man. Yes, sir. And then Reggie Bullock to round out the starters, eight points, one assist, one rebound, but the bench. Yes, sir. This is what we were talking about. We haven't really seen the bench play this well in a while. That's why we've been fading the Knicks so much recently. But a, a wonderful game here off the bench. This is what kind of the bench has to do on a nightly basis out here. Derrick Rose, 19 points, 3 assists, 4 rebounds. Pretty much a great night. He shot 0-4 from 3. That's the only knock. But everything else, very good by this man. Taj Gibson had a great game. 6 points, 8 rebounds. Alec Burks, 19 points, 5 rebounds. Yes, sir. And then Emmanuel quickly, 20 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists on 58% shooting, 4 of 6 from 3. So that's exactly what we need. Basically, three players off this bench all in 20-plus point categories. Basically, all kind of 15-plus point, but very well done here for the Knicks. Getting back on track with the win here against a decent Grizzlies team. I mean, we just put them, I think, at number 7? Number seven in our power rankings, and the Knicks were able to kind of upset them. So, wonderful job here by the Knicks. Uh, truly a little lackluster here by the Grizzlies, so let's talk about them. Just kind of couldn't get it done. Floundered in the fourth quarter. Not the best sign there, especially when they just finally got above, you know, three games above 500, and now they just lose. So, we'll see if they're able to kind of knock this loss off. But uh, John Morant led the scoring for this Grizzlies team. 26 points, 6 assists, 4 rebounds. He shot 4 or 5 from 3. Magnificent there. And 50% overall from the field. Grayson Allen, 10 points, 4 assists. You know, all right. Not a great game, but, you know, he got us to 10+. plus. That's exactly what we want Grayson Allen to do. Decent defense. Get us at least 10. And that's what he did out here. 1 of 4 from 3. Could have been a little bit better. But overall, a decent night by Grayson Allen. Jonas Valanciunas, 20 points, 14 rebounds. Great night by him. Dylan Brooks, 23 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds. That's what we're talking about. And then Kyle Anderson, 15 points, 5 assists, 6 rebounds, 2 blocks, 1 steal. That's what we're talking about. So overall, this starting lineup got it done. They just don't have that great bench, and that's still one of our knocks here on this Grizzlies team. Desmond Bain had a great night off the bench, 16 points, 2 assists, 5 rebounds. But other than that, nothing truly that great. Brandon Clark, 5 points, 4 rebounds off the bench. Xavier Tillman, 6 points. He had 4 assists and 5 rebounds, so that's all good. But we need scoring coming off the bench. And then Tyus Jones, uh, 8 points, 1 assist, 1 rebound off the bench. So that's what the Grizzlies need. They just need some nice bench scores. Got to start getting some of these players in 10-plus point categories. Desmond Bain was able to do it, but let's get some more players to do it as well out here. Um, so Grizzlies end up losing, unfortunately, in overtime, 133-129. Alrighty, next game up is the Hawks and the Bulls, and the Bulls kind of blew it a little bit out here in the fourth quarter as well, getting outscored 24 to 34 in the fourth quarter, getting outscored 18 to 33 in the third quarter. So really, just kind of, I mean, Zach Levine came out firing, putting up 38 points in the first half, and they just they just floundered in the second half. They're like, all right, now what do we do? Now who's gonna put up 38 points and a half? Uh. Zach Levine, can you do it again? Oh, you only put up 12 points in the second half? All right, all right. Who's up? Who's going to get score out here? So, a little lackluster scoring last night from the Bulls team all around. 
Zach Levine going absolutely beast mode in the first half did not translate to a win, unfortunately, for them. So let's start here with the Hawks. Uh, Trey Young, he said, oh, you're going to go for 50 points in the game? Well, I'll try my damnedest, and I'll put up 42 points, 9 assists, 8 rebounds. He shot 60% from the field, just unfortunately 1 of 6 from 3. So not great in, at the shooting 3 efficiency, but overall a great night on what he did. Bogdan Bogdanovich, only 10 points, a little bit of a light night of what we've been kind of accustomed to these last couple of games from this Hawks team. Uh, 10 points, 2 assists, 4 rebounds, 0-4 from 3, unfortunately. Clint Capella, yes, sir. 22 points, 10 rebounds, get it done. Solomon Hill, no points on two shots, three rebounds. And then Kevin Huter still at the starting three here. 11 points, five assists, two rebounds on uh, 62% shooting. Very well done. All of his uh, misses were from three, unfortunately, one of four from three. Um, and then their bench, I mean, Tanil Gallinari, yes, sir, 20 points, six rebounds off the bench to get it done. And then Lou Williams only playing 17 minutes off the bench, nine points, five assists. So still decent there by Lou Williams. Tanil Gallinari steps it up big time. Trey Young steps it up big time, and they're able to beat the Bulls. So very well done to the Hawks. Like we said, just updated these power rankings yesterday right before all these games, and we put the Bulls at 10 and the Hawks at 9. And, I mean, this game played exactly how kind of our power rankings went. So uh, very well done to us for calling it. Uh, but let's talk about the Bulls now. What went wrong with them? Well, Thomas <laughs> Sortarnski out here putting up no points. No points on six shots. He had 10 assists, so I'll give him that, but still got to score the ball, man. Uh, Zach Levine, we all know, 50 points, five assists, eight rebounds, and he took 31 shots, folks, and he made 58%. So fantastic there, and he also shot seven of 12 from three. Absolutely magnificent. Vucevic out here doing good things, uh, 25 points, 10 rebounds, you know, only two assists, uh, so, you know, a little light in that department. Thaddeus Young, a little light here, four points, five rebounds, three assists, nothing truly great there, and then Patrick Williams to round out the starters, four points, two rebounds. So, uh, Thaddeus Young and Patrick Williams not taking a lot of shots, only eight combined, but we needed more points or more kind of scoring attempts from these other players. Because we needed more scoring from other players. And that's just not what we got. Um, off the bench, uh, Laurie Markkanen, a little light. Only 5 points, 5 rebounds. And then Kobe White, 11 points. But he took 11 shots. I mean, he shot 36%. Needed somebody else to really step it up here. Uh, just couldn't get it done. Daniel Tice, let's talk about him. Because we are interested in kind of his development here for this Bulls team off the bench. Daniel Tice, 4 points, 3 rebounds. But only in uh, 11 minutes of play. So not terrible overall by this man. But definitely had a Get scoring from somebody else besides Zach Levine and Vucevic and truly nobody else did and I understand you know 75 points combined by those two you know scoring is going to come light uh, by everybody else but still needed something else because you know at the end of the day you lose by 12 so scoring had to come from somebody else somebody else had to step it up and they didn't so very well done to the Hawks for getting the win unfortunately the Bulls lost their first game on this kind of win streak with Vucevic so we'll see how they rebound and if we truly should be buying this Bulls team like I've been saying for the since the trade deadline but uh, definitely have to win their next game to kind of you know settle me down a little bit because this loss last night truly did not sit well with us especially losing in the second half not great um all right I'm taking a little pause here. I got to blow my nose. So give me two seconds. Um, I will mute. No, I'm not going to mute the mic. You're going to listen to it. All right. We're back. If you heard it, you heard it. You heard the trumpet sound. If not, you did it. <laughs> That's really it. All right. Let's keep moving on here. Next game up. What do we got? 
Alrighty, Pelicans against the 76ers. Alrighty, a little disappointed in the 76ers last night for not being able to beat the Pelicans. Uh, this was kind of their first game back besides Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball still did not play, but Brandon Ingram was in. Zion Williamson was in. So just a little unfortunate. That uh, the uh, the 76ers couldn't win, um, especially with wish, especially with Lonzo Ball not in the lineup, especially with Nikhil um, Alexander Walker uh, out as well. I mean that was kind of their backup point guard, and they still lose. So not the best night here by the 76ers. But let's talk about this Pelicans team first since they won. All right, Eric Bledsoe moves over to the starting point guard position. Still didn't do anything great. I mean, Eric Bledsoe is really kind of the worst player on this team, or at least in the starting lineup. Um, nine points, two assists, four rebounds out there. So didn't really step it up here at the two. At the one, really doesn't matter. He doesn't really have any great games consistently. All right, Najee Marshall fills in for Eric Bledsoe, who filled in for Alonzo Ball at the starting shooting guard position. One point, four assists, three rebounds on 0-4 shooting. Jesus, way to not step it up. I guess we should say he had good defense. He was a plus seven out there, but they won, so all right. Uh, what was this win? What was it? How many points? Uh, seven. All right. All right, then we got Steven Adams, seven points, three steals, one assist, five rebounds. A little light by him, but then we get Zion stepping it up, 37 points, eight assists, 15 rebounds on 53% shooting, efficient as always. And then Brandon Ingram, not efficient as, not even close to efficient. I mean, 17 points, two steals, two assists, eight rebounds on 23% shooting on 21 shots and also two of nine from three. So kind of very awful there by Brandon Ingram, but they still get it done. This is not a good look here by the 76ers team for losing this game. Um, all right, off the bench here for the Pelicans. Nothing great either. Willie Hernana Gomez, 10 points, 10 rebounds. I'll give it to him in 19 minutes. That's actually really great. Very well done by him. And then uh, who else do we get here? Ja Jackson Hayes. Yes, sir. Love it as well. Only in 19 minutes, 12.6 rebounds. So Willie Hernana Gomez, Jackson Hayes able to get it done here for the bench for the Pelicans. But still, I mean, they only put up 101 points. What happened to this 76ers team? Who did not step up here? Uh, before we even look, I'll call it out. Danny Green is Seth Curry, this has them written all over that they did not get it done. So let's see what we get here by the 76ers. Here we go. I mean, this is their starting lineup here. Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, Danny Green. Everybody is good to go here. So let's see you do not step up. Alrighty, Ben Simmons, 10 points, 5 steals, 6 assists, 9 rebounds. Classic game. He was also a plus 5 in a loss. So doing what Ben Simmons does, defense. All right, Seth Curry, no points on 0 of 7 from the field. I mean, classic Seth Curry game. He is the worst player on the 76ers team, at least in the starting rotation. He does not step it up ever, man. Truly unfortunate. And then we get Joel Embiid, a little light on what he does. 14 points, 9 rebounds, only 1 assist. He shot 31% from the field on 16 shots. Not great there. Didn't even hit a 3. So a little bit of a light night by Joel Embiid. Tobias Harris picks up the slack a little bit here. 23 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. 2 of 5 from 3, 43% overall from the field. Can always count on this man. And then that leaves us Danny Green here. All right, here we go. 8 points, 2 assists, 7 rebounds, 2 of 5 from 3, and then 3 of 6 overall from the field. So not a bad game by Danny Green. 2 of 5 from 3. Would like you to get at least when you're making when you're taking 5 to get at least 3. 
but uh, not bad. He was a minus one on the floor as well. So just um, nobody stepping it up, nobody getting it done, putting the team on their backs. And man, oh man, that's uh, truly unfortunate there by the 76ers. Not a great loss here. All right, off the bench, we get Shake Milton, nine points, two assists, three rebounds in 20 minutes. Dwight Howard only playing 14 minutes, six points, four rebounds. Cork Maz, 12 points, two assists, two rebounds. So overall, I mean, the bench didn't play bad. It's just these starters, nobody really getting it done. And Seth Curry putting up no points is truly unacceptable, honestly. But uh, Pelicans able to beat the 76ers, so we'll see what happens here. But uh, I still see the 76ers being fine. I think this is kind of a weird game, but we'll see if this kind of continues up. Alrighty, moving on to the Bucks and the Hornets now. And the Bucks played absolutely nobody. <laughs> no Dante DiVincenzo, no Drew Holiday, no Chris Middleton, no Brooke Lopez, no Giannis. So we don't have to spend too much time on this game, but very well done for the Hornets to, for getting the win here. We know it's going to be tough for them to get wins. So, you know, winning however they can, whatever the circumstances are to stay in that kind of playoff seating, waiting until all their players can potentially get back here. Um, so very well done to them. The, all the starters got it done, truly. Uh, Devontae Graham, 20 points, 5 assists, 2 rebounds. Terry Rozier, 20 points, 1 assist, 3 rebounds. P.J. Washington at the 5 still, 18 points, 4 assists, 7 rebounds. Had a pretty good game here. Let's see if this jump starts him to having a great success there at the starting center position. Jalen McDaniels fills in for P.J. Washington at the 4. 19 points, 5 assists, 6 rebounds. And then Miles Bridges to round out the starters. 26 points, led the team in scoring. 4 assists, 7 rebounds on 61% shooting. So a great night shooting. All efficient. As heck, shot 48% as a team. Very well done. Um, and then off the bench, anything great here off the bench? Cody Zeller, 10 points, 12 rebounds. Yes, sir. Still getting it done. Truly, I mean, his production truly does not fall off from the starting rotation to the bench. So having him on the bench is truly great. Um, alrighty, so overall, Hornets are able to get the win over the Bucks. We don't have to go over the Bucks too much here. Like we said, I mean, uh, let's just shout out quickly Jordan uh, Nora, uh, 24.6 rebounds on 4 of 10 from 3. Uh, Thanias, or Thanasis, Anatokounmpo, 12 points, 3 assists, 4 rebounds. Alrighty, not terrible. Brian Forbes in the starting lineup, 18 points. Jeff Teague in the starting lineup, 19.6 assists. Just unfortunately could not get it done because it's the B team. So Hornets get the win, 127-119 over the Bucs. Let's keep moving here to the Nuggets and the Spurs. Nuggets getting another win, eight straight wins for this Nuggets team. And, folks, we just put them at number one in our power rankings yesterday, and we still feel really good about it. They had no Jamal Murray, and they say no problem. So very well done. So let's talk about this, um, this Nuggets team up first. So, Facundo Capazzo, he fills in for Jamal Murray, 9 points, 4 assists. Alrighty, not what Jamal Murray does, but everybody else kind of steps it up a little bit more. Uh, Will Barton, 17 points, 5 assists. He kind of steps it up there. Fantastic work. I mean, when Jamal Murray's in the starting lineup, Will Barton's kind of the fifth option here. But with Jamal Murray out... Will Barton kind of slides over to the four, and uh, Capazzo, you know, he slides over to the fifth option, and that's how it worked out here. Will Barton with the 17 points. Absolutely love seeing that. Jokic, 26 points, 14 assists, 13 rebounds. A great Jokic game out here. Uh, Aaron Gordon, 11 points, 2 assists. All righty. 
Um, and then uh, we get Michael Porter Jr., 22 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, and 2 of 7 from 3. So not great there, but he shot 53% overall. Also got those 22 points, so that's what we're talking about. And then off the bench, what do we get here? P.J. Dozier off the bench, 9 points, 2 assists, 5 rebounds. I'll take that on 50% shooting, 4 of 8 from the field. Monte Morris put up 21 big old points off the bench, 2 assists, and 3 rebounds to go along with that. And the man shot 87% from the field in 5 of 5 from 3. So magnificent game there. Truly needed with, uh, you know, no Jamal Murray out there. So very well done for Monte Morris to step up. We saw, I think we saw Monte Morris step up uh, in that first game because I think Jamal Murray's been out these last two games. And Monte Morris was at that number one position uh, instead of Capazzo. But we get Capazzo here in the starting lineup. Morris off the bench, and Morris really got it done out here. So truly very well done here by the Nuggets. Getting a little bit deeper here, getting more experience for this bench team to you know, step it up a little bit more, you know, not having Jamal Murray. And they took full advantage of it, keeping up that winning streak, loving that we can kind of decently count on this bench a little bit. It's not the best bench, P.J. Dozier, Monte Morris, Paul Millsap, Facondo Capazzo when Jamal Murray's in there. Uh, but uh, overall, a great night here. Let's see if they can keep it up because this team will go as far as their bench takes them. We know this starting lineup is absolutely stacked, but I mean, there's other stacked teams. The Nets are stacked. They have a good bench. The Clippers, when they're fully healthy, they have a decent bench. Uh, what else do we get? The 76ers, a good bench with Shake Milton and Dwight Howard. So there's other teams that have great benches, and the Nuggets are going to have to get their bench great and ready to rock here for their playoff run because I'm loving everything about this team. But just got to see their bench be a little bit more consistent. And this is a great game. I'm not knocking this game. I'm just saying a little bit more consistent you know, throughout the rest of the season. Alrighty, let's talk about the Spurs now. Um, just came up a little short, unfortunately. Keldon Johnson had a chance to tie the game with the layup at the end of regulation. And unfortunately, just did not go. Just did not fall. So, Spurs end up losing by two here. DeMar DeRozan, 24 points, 12 assists, 3 rebounds. He had a great night. Keldon Johnson, 15 points, 2 assists, 4 rebounds. He shot 60% from the field. Just unfortunately, his, uh, the last final shot that needed to go did not fall. Jacob Podol at the 5, 13 points, 10, assists, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. DeJounte Murray, 12 points, 4 assists, 7 rebounds. And then Derek White, 25 points, 3 steals, 3 assists. So the starters really all got it done. They got some nice bench contribution from Rudy Gay. Classic, 15 points, 6 rebounds. Can always count on him. But let's also shout out Lonnie Walker. He put up 8 points in 17 minutes off the bench. So just unfortunately, this Spurs team is just kind of missing the bench as well. We know we can either get Patty Mills or Rudy Gay to go for 10-plus points. Usually. Rudy Gay over Patty Mills, but they need that second person off the bench to really get it done in the scoring department. And until they have that, the Spurs team, they're just really kind of super inconsistent. Nothing truly great on this team. So Nuggets get the win 121-119 over the Spurs. Alrighty, let's go to the Warriors and the Wizards now. We just saw at the top of the show the Warriors, Steph Curry missing the three-pointer. Jeez. Um so, the Wizards get the win. Let's talk about them first. Uh, Russell Westbrook, 19 points, 14 assists, 14 rebounds, 1 of 4 from 3, 47% overall, but the 6 turnovers back up there. Damn. Thought we had those reeled in with the 4 or 5, but uh, he's back up to 6. All right, Bradley Beal went for 20 points, 6 assists, 3 rebounds. Alex Lynn at the 5. Ooh, he had a good game here. 15 points, 5 rebounds. All right, would have liked to see him have a little bit more rebounds, but I'll take the 15 points. Points are is what the Wizards need because without Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, they really can't come from somewhere else really consistently. But Alex Lynn with the 15 here, we'll take it. 
Denny Avidaje had a really poor game. Two points on 0 of 6 shooting from the field. But then Rui Achimura makes up for a little bit here. 22 points, 5 rebounds on 56% shooting. Alrighty, anybody doing good off the bench? We usually can rely on Davis Burton's off the bench, but he only put up six points, five rebounds. Uh, Robin Lopez put up 20 points and eight rebounds. So the bigs getting it done here against the Warriors, and that just kind of, I mean, we know this. I mean, James Wiseman can't really get it done. Kevon Looney is all right, but, I mean, he's really not a surefire starter. I mean, in the starting lineup, I mean, he's like a Tier 4 big out there, Kevon Looney. Maybe even Tier 5. I would say Tier 5. Um, so really no great bigs here and the Wizards bigs take advantage of it. All right, let's go to the Warriors now. Steph Curry, 32 points, two steals, five assists, six rebounds, five of 12 from three. Kelly Oubre Jr. had a good game, 23 points, six rebounds on four of eight from three and 61% overall from the field. James Wiseman, 18 points, six rebounds, just couldn't really get it done too much. Well, he was a plus four, so maybe Wiseman wasn't the really the reason why they lost. Maybe Draymond Green a little bit. Draymond Green, five points, eight assists, three steals, two blocks, five rebounds, just getting it all done through the game. He shot 22% on nice shots. Not great there, but that's what we know of Draymond Green. Just kind of more of a defensive player, facilitator out there on the floor. And then Andrew Wiggins, 15 points, six assists, seven rebounds. I mean, that's a classic Andrew Wiggins game. 0-5 from three, not the greatest, but he was also a plus 12 out there on the floor. So we know this is what Andrew Wiggins can do. Just nothing great from uh, any of the other starters. Alrighty, and then off the bench, Damian Lee. He's really been solid here off the bench. Truly solid player. And he, is he a true veteran out here? What is this man? Oh, only three years experience. All right. So this man's truly getting it done. Uh, good pickup here for this Warriors team. Consistently kind of getting in those double digits off the bench. Uh, what is this man's overall season's totals? Six points, three rebounds. Alrighty. All right. <clears throat> So, he puts up 10 points off the bench. Nobody else doing anything great. I mean, we get Jordan Poole, 0 points on 0-4 shots in 14 minutes. Kevon Looney, 0 points on 1 shot. Kent Bazemore, 4 points on 6 shots. It's just nothing great off this bench. And that's really why they lose most of their games. So, Wizards get the win. 110-107 over the Warriors. And then the last game of the night, the Clippers and the Rockets. And the Clippers shorthanded again. No Paul George. No, um, no, um, Patrick Beverly. Since he had the surgery. No Serge Ibaka. And they're still able to get the win here over the Rockets. Who would have been competitive if John Wall played. Because that's all they were missing. But, uh, you know, he's he needs rest for some gosh darn reason. So here we go. Let's start here with the Clippers. Kawhi Leonard. Back-to-back -back kind of great games out here. 31 points. 8 assists. 5 rebounds. 50% from the 3. 3 of 6. And 55% overall. So great night by him. Um, then we get Marcus Morris, 9 points, 4 rebounds. Zubak, 10 points, 7 rebounds. Luke Kennard in the starting lineup, 3 points, 3 assists, 6 rebounds. Alrighty. And then Reggie Jackson at the starting point guard position, which you'll probably see a lot more here now that we know Patrick Beverly's out for 3 or 4 weeks. And Rondo's really kind of better coming off the bench than he is in the starting lineup, you know, now that he's kind of at the back end of his career. But Reggie Jackson had a magnificent game in 30 minutes in the starting rotation, 26 points, 7 assists, 4 rebounds on six on 71% shooting from the field, 6 of 9 from 3, so magnificent night by Reggie Jackson, truly stepped it up here and I love it, so we'll see if uh, he stays the uh, starting point guard I'm assuming he is going to um, and just have Rondo come off the bench 
Alrighty, but the Clippers bench kind of got it done as well. Nicholas Batum, 17 points off the bench, 3 rebounds. And then Terrence Mann, 16 points and 9 assists off the bench. We see DeMarcus Cousins get in the game for 5 minutes, just putting up 3 points. Nothing great there. I mean, big old win, so they don't need him that much. Um, Alright, so Clippers able to get the win there. Now let's go to the Rockets. Alrighty, let's see how everything's kind of shaking out here. Kevin Porter at the 1, Avery Bradley at the 2, Kelly Olenek at the 3, Ja'Shawn Tate at the 4, and Christian Wood at the 5. So a little bit of a lineup shakeup here. Even without, you know, John Wall, you would expect, you know, the point guard positions to switch. But Kelly Olenek switching over to the 3, let's see how that worked out. So Kelly Olenek at the 3, 13 points, 3 assists, 11 rebounds. He shot 1 of 5 from 3, and he was also a minus 33 on the floor, so. Did not get it done there. Um, not the three. He's not a three guard. He's not a three kind of forward out there. Coming off the bench, maybe playing at the four with Christian Wood. We've seen some decent games already, but here at the three, his wor I would say his worst performance. You know, all around defensively, one of five from three. Nothing truly great. All right, Jajon Tate at the four, 18 points, two rebounds. All righty, one of six from three, poor shooting night from three. Christian Wood, 23 points, only three rebounds, though, not the greatest. Avery Bradley at the two, six points, three rebounds. Kevin Porter Jr., 14 points, 13 rebounds, six uh, rebounds. Or did I say 13 assists? I meant 13 assists if I said that. Um, and then six rebounds to go along with that. He shot three of six from three, 30% overall from the field. I mean, overall, a decent night. I'll give him the 13 assists. And then off the bench, we get Sterling Brown, 15 points, 4 rebounds. That's what we like to see, Sterling Brown getting it done off the bench. And then Kenyon Martin, 14 points, 6 rebounds also off the bench. But overall, if Jane, if John Wall was there, I think the game would have been a little bit closer, a little bit more competitive, but he wants rest. So still bu decently buying into this Rockets team. I'm not giving up on this Rockets team just quite yet. Uh, when when uh, John Wall is out there, I can still buy this team a lot, but uh, until he starts to play a little bit more consistently, we'll uh, keep an eye on this Rockets team going forward. Alrighty, that was all the NBA from last night. Let's see what we've got on tap for today. Anything interesting? Any nationally televised primetime games? Yes, sir. Here we go. Raptors, Cavs tonight. Nets, Lakers. This is on 8.30 on ABC. Then we get Thunder, 76ers, Jazz, Kings, Warriors, Rockets, Suns, Wizards, Blazers, Pistons. Alrighty, I'll tell you right now, we're betting this Pistons or this um, this Blazers team. We we got to see them get back on track. They had a rough week last week, beating or losing against a lot of good teams and losing kind of bad. Alrighty, so um, let me blow the nose real one more time, and then we'll uh, refresh the lines out here. Oh man. <clears throat> Once again, if you heard the horn, congrats. If you did not, unfortunate. Um, all right, so here we go. <clears throat> Let's get these lines up to date. Let's see what's going on and where the value is today. Alrighty, lines are up to date. First game up, Raptors in the Cavs. Raptors plus one, Cavs minus one. If everybody's good to go for this Raptors team, we'll take it, but probably not since uh, the spread is only plus one for the Raptors. So, ooh, maybe not. Kyle Lowry, game time decision. We could see him back. Rodney Hood, game time decision. Fred Van Vliet is still out, though, unfortunately. And ooh, Pascal Siakam is now out with rest. So, alrighty, I think we're going to have to stay away from the Raptors. And then for the Cavs, Larry Nance Jr. still out. And damn, Jared Allen is still out. That concussion is lasting like two weeks out here. Damn. Let me make sure. Let's go to uh, NBA Fantasy Labs. Just Let's just make sure. 
Rodney Hood is probable now. So we said he's a game-time decision, so he'll probably go. Siakam is still out. Ooh, Kyle Lowry is doubtful. Not great. So game-time decision, but now doubtful 46 minutes ago. <clears throat> Alrighty. Bradley Beal uncertain for today. Let's keep that in mind. Oh, Nurchich is out today. Damn. Injury management. And his canter is going to have to step it up. All right. So we're going to have to stay away from Raptors, Cavs. Way too many kind of uh, question marks here. No real great value. All right. Then we get the Lakers and the Nets. Lakers plus 10.5. Nets minus 10.5. I'll swallow those points, folks. Are, we, are, you, are you serious? Are you kidding me? Nets at home against this lackluster Lakers team. As long as, you know, most of the players are good to go for the Nets, we'll take them. So here we go. Out for the Lakers, LeBron James, obviously. Marcus Gusol's game-time decision. Jared Dudley's out, uh, Anthony Davis is out, and Kyle Kuzma's game-time decision. Kyle Kuzma, you better freaking play this game. I mean, you didn't play last game, and they lost. Andre Drummond's good to go. And then for the Nats, James Harden. Oh, damn, James Harden is out? Um, so it's, Oh, well, yeah, he's still out. I forgot they kind of switched over from uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie now. Uh, so Kevin Durant, Kyrie, good. Tyler Johnson out, Laundry Shaman, a game-time decision. So I get the Nets minus 10.5 against a Lakers team. They're going to want to stunt on this team, uh, so they'll win easy here, no problem. Lakers are absolutely not great, definitely against, like, good teams. I mean, they lost against six against the Heat, and, I mean, the the Nets have way more consistent firepower than that, uh, than that Heat team does. So Lakers, they can try to get it done defensively, but at the end of the day, the firepower of the Nets will get it done. So we'll swallow the 10.5. The bet, the Nets, big, folks, folks, it's back. B, T, N, B, baby. Bet the Nets, big, it's back. Here we go. Alrighty, next game up is Kings, Jazz, Kings plus 12, Jazz minus 12. Alrighty, we just saw the Jazz blow out the Blazers. Alright, for the Kings, Marvin Bagley is still out. And then for the Jazz, Jordan Clarkson is a game-time decision and Jawan Morgan a game-time decision. So, uh, not bad there. Jazz minus 12 seems good. Seems good. The Kings, um, hmm, they keep games close sometimes. You know what I mean? Um, when was the last time the Jazz played? Thursday, so they had that game of rest in between. The Kings just also played Thursday as well. Uh, well, if we're going to – we already swallowed 10 and a half here for the Nats. Let's swallow 12 here for the Jazz. There's really no reason why they shouldn't get it done. I mean, the Kings, man, they're super inconsistent. Luke Walton's a garbage coach, so we'll go with the Jazz here. We'll take them out of 12. We'll swallow it. All righty, then we get the 76ers and OKC Thunder. 76ers minus 10.5, Thunder plus 10.5, out for the 76ers. Joel Embiid's a game-time decision again. Are we just going to get this one in, one out? Is that what it's going to be by him? And then for the Thunder, Shea Gillis-Alexander is still out. Lugans Dort is a game-time decision, so he'll potentially play out here. Mike Mascal is out. Isaiah Roby, game-time decision. Darius Baisley, game-time decision. Josh Hall, game-time decision. So, I mean, we just took the 76ers last night, and they, they really lost and disappointed us truly last night. So, we'll have to stay away from them tonight. Oh, my God. Look at these big old spreads tonight. Damn. Oh, damn. This is next one up. Wizards, Suns. Wizards plus 12. Suns minus 12. All righty. Suns, you know, just coming off that two back-to-back Day, dreaded big old games against the Jazz and the Clippers. They beat the Jazz, lost against the Clippers. For the Wizards, Bradley Beal is out and Daniel Gafford is or Bradley Beal is a game time decision. Daniel Gafford is out. And for the Suns, just Abdel Nader is out. So I mean we're already swallowing points here. Let's swallow some more. Suns minus twelve. A huge big old loss, unfortunately. 
for them against the Clippers. They had a night off to kind of, you know, reflect on that loss and hopefully get back to it here against the Wizards. Wizards just won last night. I don't see them playing well on a back-to-back. We'll have the Suns minus 12. Alrighty, then we get Rockets and the Warriors. Ooh, ooh. Rockets plus 8.5, Warriors minus 8.5. Alrighty, Eric Gordon is out for the Rockets. Uh, Daniel House Jr. is still out, but John Wall is playing. So here we go, Rockets plus 8. There we go, finally can take this Rockets team. And then for the Warriors, just Eric Poshkel is still out. So... Going to take the Rockets here. They may not win, but I get them plus 8.5. I think they keep it close. Uh, this Warriors team has nothing great. We don't have to really worry about them at any point. We got Christian Wood, who should be able to take care of, you know, James Wiseman and Kevon Looney very, very well. Kelly Olynyk maybe will get locked up by Draymond Green, but um, at the end of the day, we don't have to worry about Draymond Green putting up points where we know Kelly Olynyk can. So we'll take the 8.5 here. Warriors on a back-to-back. Uh, Rockets also on a back-to-back, but John Wall didn't play, so little bit, you know, a little bit of a cheat there. So we'll take the Rockets plus eight and a half. And then the last game of the night, the Pistons and the Blazers. Pistons minus or Pistons plus eleven and a half. Blazers minus eleven and a half. Probably we'll stay away from this one just because we saw no Nurchich. Uh, so for the Pistons, Mason Plumlee is a game-time decision with a concussion. Randy Magruder's out. Jeremy Grant is a game-time decision. Wayne Ellington is out. And then for the Blazers, we know Nurchich is out and Zach Collins is obviously still out. So we'll stay away from this one. We're, always, we're already swallowing a lot of points here. Uh, this Blazers team needs to get back on our good graces. We've kind of fallen out of them, and that's kind of big on us because we've been big on them. We like the root for this Blazers team. We like Damian Lillard. We like what they've been doing. They've kind of they're decent in the playoff hunt here for the West uh, at number six. But uh, this last week, losing, getting blown out against the best teams, it really put it left a bad taste in our mouth. So we'll uh, we'll observe them. We'll wait for them to kind of start winning games, and then we'll get right back on them. But uh, they got to prove it to us first. So we got a nice little four-teamer here for tonight. Nets minus 10.5, Jazz minus 12, Suns minus 12, and then the points of the night, Rockets plus 8. We love it. Plus 8.5, even better. Um, all right, so that's our moneymaker for tonight's action. Alrighty, now let's head over to our NFL draft prospect of the day. We are in a 73 NFL day countdown to the NFL draft. We are currently on day 57. So our prospect of today is Justin Hilliard, a linebacker from Ohio State. So we'll look at the stats. We'll look at the film and see where this man should be drafted as. Should our teams be taking this man in the first round, first overall pick? Can he rival Trevor Lawrence for a first overall pick? Absolutely not. But, well, well let's see. Uh, so here we go. Justin Hilliard, linebacker, Ohio State. All right, 6'1", 231, good size for a linebacker here. Um, let's see what he's doing in the stat. Oh, oh, my God. He's got what? He's been at Ohio State since 2015. Damn, didn't play 2015, you know, red-shirted. His first season, uh, freshman season, only played one game, and then, you know, everything went back on track from 2017. Um Onward. Okay, here we go. So we'll just take it off here from 2017, his sophomore season officially. Uh, 11 games played. He had 14 total tackles, no picks, no pass defenses, no fumble recoveries, no forced fumbles. Then in 2018, his junior season, 14, or no, 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 sorry, 20 total tackles, no sacks, no interceptions, no pass, or two pass defenses, 
No fumble recoveries, no forced fumbles. 2019, 10 games played, 13 total tackles, one interception. All righty. No pass defenses, no forced fumbles, no fumble recoveries. And then this season, 2020, his second senior season here officially. Six games, 33 tackles, one interception. One pass defense, three fumble recoveries, one forced fumble. So finally got better. It only took him seven years at Ohio State to get good, but he finally got good here five years at Ohio State. All right, he got to a bowl game a couple of seasons here. So let's start here and let's see what he was doing in these bowl games. Anything great? So here we go. Let's start at 2017 because that's you know when he actually started to play. All righty. So 2017 here. All right, bowl game. I'm guessing this is the Big Ten national or the Big Ten championship game. Yes, it is. All right, so against Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game in 2017, they get the win. He had two tackles. They held them collectively, defensively, to only 21 points. So they're able to get the win. Held them to eight points there in the fourth quarter. Little starting to try a little bit of a comeback. All righty. So not bad overall there. Not the reason why I won, but still got it done collectively, defensively. All right, then 2018. Let's see what he did here in the bowl game. All right, didn't play in the bowl game. Unfortunate. Let's see if they won their bowl games without him. All righty, here we go. 2018 Ohio State team against Northwestern in the championship game, the Big Ten championship game. They win. They held them to 24 points, so not the greatest for Justin Hill, uh, Hilliard. You know, winning without him, not really kind of needing them defensively, not needing him defensively. And then they get to the Rose Bowl against Washington, and they win that game too, holding them to 23 points. All righty. So they won their bowl games. They won the championship game without Justin Hilliard in 2018. Not the greatest look for him. But let's see if he was doing anything in 2019. Back here. All righty. Against Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. They get the win. Yes, sir. And Hilliard had one tackle. No interception. No pass defense. No fumbles. Uh, collectively, they held him to 21 points defensively. No points in the second half. Look at that. Defense steps it up. Gets it done. And then they're able to get to the playoffs against Clemson. Unfortunately, they lose. Hilliard only had one tackle, no pass defense, no interceptions. And they gave up 29 points of Clemson, 8 points in the fourth quarter. Not great. Ooh, and they gave up that game-winning touchdown. There it is. They gave up the game-winning touchdown with a minute 49 seconds left and the two-point conversion. Not great. So... Alrighty, not looking real good for Hilliard here in the stats and the bowl games, but we still got 2020, which was his best year. So let's see if he finally did something here in 2020 for Ohio State. Alrighty, well, he only played, yeah, here we go. Alright, played in the back half here. All right, against Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship game, they get the win. He had nine tackles. Yes, sir. One interception. One fumble recovery. Yes, sir. Get it done. They held Northwestern to 10 points, and he was a huge reason for that, so love it. Then in the first playoff game against Clemson, they get the win. Eight total tackles. One fumble recovery, very well done. We know Justin Fields was on his bullshit in this game and put up, you know, seven or six touchdowns for the 49 points, but the defense held him to 28. And then against uh, Alabama in the title game, end up losing, unfortunately, but he had eight tackles. 
No fumble recoveries, no interceptions, no pass defenses already. And they also they also gave up 52 points to Alabama. So, alrighty. All in all, nothing too great here from Hilliard in the stats or these bowl games. So, really going to have to rely on those on this film to really get it done for this man. And we know that, you know, this linebacker core for the Ohio State was very good. Hilliard was kind of, you know, the fourth option out of the three starting linebackers. Uh, so that's kind of where he was kind of, you know, all over the field, not playing consistently, just kind of in a solid rotation. And that really stepped it up here in 2020 when his time came in only six games, having, you know, 33 tackles and an interception and three fumble recoveries and a passing defense and a force fumble so really got it done in 2020 so let's see what this film is looking like on this man and we have some options here so we're going to look at his career highlights here a nice little three minute clip and then we'll also go to the Big Ten Championship game highlights to kind of see what he was doing in the bowl games in these big games and then we've got some senior bowl footage on this man as well so we've got some nice footage to kind of paw through to see what this man's looking like so let's start here folks the career highlights let's get a nice uh, nice definition of what this man's looking like on the field alrighty so here we go let's get his number uh, number 47 if we have to follow him around so here we go Justin Hilliard linebacker from Ohio State number 47 let's watch this man work alrighty where's this first play coming up from what do we got how is he going to impress us right off the gate here Alrighty, here we go. This looks to be in a uh, Big Ten Championship game against uh, Northwestern. Oh, yes, sir. The end around does not fake this man. Let's watch this man from the jump. Where is he? Right here. Outside linebacker. Reading the play all day. Avoids the block and then goes and makes the surefire tackle. What do we got? Ten yards behind the line of scrimmage. Yes, sir. Go up there. Make the tackle. Read the play. Not get blocked. That's what we're talking about. Not get blocked and not getting kind of drawn in there on that fake end around so fantastic job here on the first play to really get us going here all righty here we go against Rutgers right here pass defending out here allows the catch to be made but makes a tackle right as soon as the ball is caught a second and seven probably goes to third and five because of the play so very well done surefire tackle that's what we're talking about all right, here we go against Northwestern in the red zone. One, oh, yeah, this is what we're talking about. You thought you had a good one-on-one -on -one look because he was on a linebacker? No, no, no. This man goes up and plays it perfectly right here. Man, he's looking like a quarter out here. Look at this man go. Whoa, right in the end zone. I love it. What was this Northwestern quarterback thinking throwing this ball? Disrespecting Hilliard out here. Don't disrespect this man. Look at this man play like a corner. Oh my gosh. Whoa, I'm loving it already. He's won me over. Here we go. This is what we're talking about. When you can play the one-on-one -on -one ball absolutely perfectly, that's some great skills right there. Love it already. All right, let's see if we can keep it up here. Yes, he can. A sack. There he goes. Here he is coming off. Watch this man. He's right in the center right here. Reads the play beautifully. Steps up. Avoids the block. And there he is just to make a free rush on the quarterback. A 5-6 yard loss. Doesn't hesitate when making the tackle. A surefire tackle. I might be... Um uh, putting this on the notes real quick. Surefire tackle. If we see one more, let's also note here in our official notes. Um, he could he the uh, for that one on one coverage there. Holy cow! He could play corner, folks. He could play corner. Let's say that. Um, 
Alrighty, what a great play right here just to go up and make that tackle. That's what we're talking about. All right, what else do we get here? Oh, another pick. This quarterback kind of just throwing it right in the center of the field. I don't know what they were trying to set up here. The hell what they were trying. I don't know what they were doing here, but really kind of jammed commotion here right in the middle of the field. And, you know, he's just playing linebacker. He's in kind of zone coverage. He takes a step up, takes a step back once he realizes it's a passing play. And then he's just in the right place at the right time. Awful throw by this quarterback. I don't even know what this team is. Is this Penn State? Who threw this ball? And what is this play? Because this is nothing good. I don't know why he threw this ball in the first place. But there he is, uh, Justin Hilliard, making the play. Right place, right time. And we'll take it. Shoot, we'll take it. And was this, where was this? Oh, my God, in the 30-yard line. Well done to get it done in your own side of the field. Locking it up. Bend but don't break defense. Everything about this man we're loving so far. Let's see if he can keep it up here. All righty, here we go. Once again, in the red zone, quarterback flying out of the pocket, and then he comes up and just makes a big old hit here. Let's see where he is right here, just playing defense. Let's get it at the beginning of the play. Fake blitzing. So here he is. Let's uh, mark it right here. Here he is. Fake blitzing right here, right at the top. Drops back into coverage. Plays coverage well. And then once he realizes that the quarterback is making a run, let's watch how long it takes him to get there and how many yards the quarterback picks up. So he's on his horse right now. Quarterback finally got like five or six yards, but he comes up and makes the tackle. Some It's decent speed out there. Probably need another play to get a really true sense of this man's speed, but he goes up and makes a nice fire, surefire hit. Once again, surefire tackle, brings him down, goes for the legs, but is able to bring him down. So we are going to have to note him a surefire tackle. When you can go up full speed, not kind of break down and let the kind of or let the offensive player kind of juke all around you, he goes and brings you down instantly. So surefire tackle, he's getting that in the notes. Love it. All right, here we go against Northwestern again here. Quarterback, kind of a jet sweep, and there it is. Yard loss, not getting blocked, fighting through the block, shedding the block, getting through the line right here, reading the play, not getting fooled, not getting beat, anything like that. And once again, that surefire tackle to go out and attack it, not getting any yards, not getting danced around, and bringing him down for a yard loss. Love it. All right, here we go against Clemson in the Sugar Bowl, the first round of the playoffs, and we get a blitz here by him. Is he blitzing? We get the quarterback trying to run here. All righty. That didn't work. That didn't work. Oh, he fumbles, and he's able to kind of just jump on the ball right here. Um, Wow. Just kind of stays in the play. Doesn't kind of realize it to the last second. Ball pops free, and it's on there on the ground. He's able to kind of make his way for that ball. Yes, sir. Fumble recoveries, interceptions, pass defenses. This man is getting these turnovers, and we love it. All righty, what else do we get here against Rutgers? Just kind of run up the middle. He's there to clog the hole, get the stop. Very well done. Classic play right there. Very well done. 
Alrighty, set up screen here, and oh, there it is. Yes, sir. Screens don't beat this man. Nothing beats this man. Surefire tackle, still a two-yard loss. I mean, folks, we've been seeing this all throughout this highlight package. Go up and make the tackle. That's what we're talking about. Blow up the play in the backfield when you have the chance. Believe in your tackling abilities. Don't break down and let them dance all around you. That's how, you know, you get beat on plays. Go up. Do what you do best. Trust your instincts. Go and make that big-time tackle, and we see him doing that all the time. So absolutely love it. All right, here we go. What do we got here? Nice little jet sweep again. Does not get beat on it. Does not get blocked on it and drives some six yards behind the line of scrimmage. This is what we're talking about, folks. I'm loving this man. Justin Hilliard. Yeah, he was in college for five years, but who cares? Who cares? The man can play. Get this man drafted, folks. Look at that. I love it. He can fight through these blocks. Like, nobody can block this, man. They can't get out quick enough to block. They can't just kind of maintain those blocks at the line of scrimmage. That's why all these players are going for big yardage losses out here. And once again, that surefire tackle. Watch this, man. Look at that. That's a tackle right there, folks. Look at the. Uh, let's get this replay right here. The up close. Look at him. Hang on for dear life on that foot. And if you can quickly spot it, it does go by quickly. But, like, you see him get pulled because the running back uses his full force to drag him and he still does not let go let's see if you can watch it I'm just gonna play a full uh, full motion here but watch once he makes this tackle he gets pulled up you see him kind of lay flat and then he gets pulled up and he's still able to like hold on for the tackle and bring him down so love it love it love it let's continue it here against Clemson again once again yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yes right here another screen that does not fool him or they don't block him he blasts right through the line once he recognizes it gets unblocked and that's a three yard loss don't try the screen game wide receiver screen running back screen it doesn't matter you're getting brought down behind the line of scrimmage love it Alrighty, another one that's just able to chase down. This one's just a toss. This one's just a run. It's a little bit of a sweep. No big deal. But he's able to get down the down the field there. Look at this tackle. I mean, folks, three-yard loss on a run. Look at him just shoot the gap very well here. Let's see where he is. He's right here. Takes a step inside since he kind of sees it. Recovers super freaking nicely once he kind of realizes the run is coming to his side. And then blasts that hole and brings him down. Five? Four? Three? Three officially. Looking potentially could have been five. Uh, but very well done. All right, here against Northwestern. Quarterback keeper right up the middle. You think that was going to fool him? You thought the quarterback keeper up the middle was going to fool Justin Hilliard? Well, you weren't watching film on this man. Here we go. Quarterback fake. Does not get beat. Avoids the block and then gets the fumble because those are some butter fingers over there with Northwestern and he gets another turnover. Love it. This man's wanting me over all day here. Nice little coverage on the man here. Takes some runs with him perfectly. Look at how he just picks him up when he kind of breaks off on the route. Is this man going inside, outside, behind me, cutting it short? He's end up cutting it outside towards the sideline and maybe a little bit of a pick here. You know, look at where they are right here. And he's able to stay right on him. Yes, the receiver makes the catch, but then he brings him down. Oh, and he forces a fumble and jumps on top of it. Yes! Yo! Yo! Sheesh! Right? Yes, sir! Active hands. Get that ball out of here. Great coverage.
Oh, yo, this man is impressive. Woo! I love it. We don't even need to watch these ones because, you know, most of these were mixed into the other one. Uh, but let's see how he's doing in the Senior Bowl. Nice little minute highlight clip here. What number is he right here? He numbers, uh, he's got to be number six right there. Is this right? This can't be right. That's not him. He's not an offensive. Or is this just bull rushing, getting to the quarterback? All right. All right. I'm about him. Trying to figure out what was going on here. All righty. There he is. Yeah, Hilliard. All right, here we go. Here we go. He's in the white in number six, just getting by. Look how quickly he can get behind and, you know, shed blocks. And that's what we, we were seeing in college, you know, not getting blocked on those screens. That's the only way that the screens work. If the blocks get set up, it's going to be, you know, positive yards here. Now we get him in coverage out here. Oh, almost gets the pick, makes him fall. <clears throat> All right, here we go on the edge right here. Oh, what are we doing? What are we doing? We couldn't even see it. You bring up this, can't even see the play. But either way, loving what I saw from this man. Get this man drafted. Love it, love it, love it. Woo-hoo-hoo. Don't test this man. He can play corner. He, oh, my God. Folks, did y'all see those pass defenses? It was all magnificent. Woo, don't test this man. Damn, I'm big on this man, folks. I'm truly big on this man. I love it. I love it. I love the speed. I love the size. I love the blowing up of all the plays. I love that freaking pass defense on one-on-one. -on -one. Justin Hillier. Woo-hoo-hoo. Going to be drafted big. I love it. I would take that man first overall pick. I don't care. <laughs> Justin Fe or um, Trevor Lawrence, I don't care. Get out of here. We're taking <laughs> Justin Hilliard. Pick one. All righty, folks. That's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. We are back tomorrow, live, noon Eastern, doing a new draft prospect of the day. Let's see if anybody can impress us like Justin Hilliard just freaking did. So that's what we've got. Classic show tomorrow, um, live, noon Eastern. All righty, folks. We're out of here. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. We are out of here.